there's some really uh, interesting and wonderful uh, parallels between Moses and, and Jesus. Both of them had their lives threatened when they were infants. Uh, both of them sojourned in Egypt. Uh, both of them went through some waters to get to the other side, which was a, a changing moment for both of them in a radical way. Both of them then wandered in the desert, one for 40 years, one for 40 days. And then both of them went up the mountain and came down with a message. But there, everything changes. And the parallel between Moses and Jesus is, falls apart. Because what Jesus is about to give us today is utterly radical, utterly new. And not everyone will have ears to hear what he has to say. You know, if you go down south, in, in almost every southern city, especially the little ones, you'll find at the courthouse, carved in stone, the Ten Commandments, almost always. What you will never, ever see at those same courthouses is the Sermon on the Mount. Why? Because it's almost impossible to understand. I dare say, and until we have lived long enough and and are done climbing the ladder. You know, Thomas Merton once says we spend most of our life or half of our life climbing the ladder of success and then we discover once we get to the top that the ladder is against the wrong wall. <laughs> and so what Jesus is saying today is come on down. As a matter of fact, we almost always see Jesus in and you can mark my words and follow the gospel. Every time he sings somebody at the top, he's saying, come on down, get down. Tells the Pharisees, get down. He tells the scribes, those who are in power, get down to the lower position. And what does he say to those in the lower position? Come on up. Oh, come on up. Oh, the woman caught in adultery, come on up. You are a daughter of God as much as anybody. To the Syrophoenician woman, I have never seen such faith in all of Israel. You are one of the elect. And today, he is enunciating what it means to be happy. Uh, the, 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 the beatado, the, 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 the blessedness, really probably should be better uh, translated, and I think the Jerusalem Bible does translate it as, as happy. So let's run through the things that, that are in us that make us happy. And it's not so much a matter of doing it from the outside. That's the Ten Commandments. That's, uh, that's, what you, uh, that, that, that's uh, strong faith and moral fiber. No, no, they're, they're already on the inside. But what we need to do is recognize them and let them out. They are of our essence. And so he begins by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, of course, Matthew's talking to a rather middle-class congregation, and so it's, it's going to be a little softer than Luke. Luke just starts out saying, blessed are the poor, period. But in many ways, they are saying the same thing. Blessed are those who are considered at the bottom. Because at the bottom, you, you honestly know that you don't really have any power. Every breath, every moment that we are given is a gift from God. And they are aware of the necessity of the divine power dwelling within them. How happy they are to know that they don't have to be in charge of their own lives. That they don't have to continue to climb the ladder because they simply are already 
in the blessed kingdom. And the blessed are those who are considered expendable. And today with AI, we're hearing an awful lot about what's being called the useless class. And I'm afraid that that useless class is going to expand bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more we realize it's, it's okay, it's really okay to have that poverty of spirit, the realization that there's something bigger than us. For now, we see through the eyes of the kingdom. Oh, blessed are those of you who, who mourn and grieve. Happy. Now that sounds like an oxymoron, and that's the reason it's almost impossible to understand why grief and tears bring happiness. And yet they don't call it good grief for nothing. It is good grief because, well, I'm convinced that tears are always from God. As a matter of fact, you know, the Syrian fathers of the church wanted to make tears a sacrament. That whatever you saw someone crying, because that's the connection material between the human soul and the divine. Oh, you knew that God was there. When you saw tears, whether they're tears of joy or tears of sorrow, that's a blessed event. That's a baptismal event. And what do tears do? They get rid of toxins that are inside the body. They let out the pain that is inside. And when they are in the, in the presence of those who have pain, the compassionate tear eases the pain. And so there really is a, a blessedness. To have a good cry is a wonderful thing. We who are the males of the species have had that suppressed in us so, and myself in a very particular way, uh, from our early childhood. And yet we need to learn to, to mourn, and especially to grieve the pain of the world, the suffering of the world, to cry with Francis and Claire, who used to do that every weekend as they looked over the sins of the city. How blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. What he's doing is quoting Psalm 37. As a matter of fact, all of our readings today really do uh, flow into each other. Blessed are those who are, who are humble, huh? humus, the earth, close to the earth. And of course, he makes this in incredibly paradoxical statement, for they shall inherit the earth. Why? Because they're the closest to the earth. And here's the, the reality most most private property has been brought by some form of, especially in the early days of violence, we stole literally more than half of the country from the Native Americans and committed genocide, who, who at that point believed there's no such thing as private property. God owns the earth. How can someone own the earth? We are the ones that are part of the earth. We grow up from the earth. The closer we are to to our mother who gives us birth, our mother earth, the closer we are to God and it is ours. It's the ability to own nothing and enjoy everything. I always say you don't ever want to own a boat, but you want to know someone who does. To enjoy it. Enjoy whatever the goodness that God gives us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hungry hearts, hungry hearts, uh, nothing satisfies. 
When we are climbing that ladder, when we even reaches the pinnacle of success, when we find that all the things that, that we do to build our container are, are done, you know, it's not enough. It still doesn't satisfy. Not even a Snickers satisfies, huh? What satisfies? Those who hunger and thirst for justice and righteousness and work to rebalance the scales that are out of kilter. Whenever we stretch ourselves and go beyond our comfort zone to act, yeah. prayer leads to desire, desire leads to action. And what do we desire? Oh, happy and blessed are those who desire the justice and the peace that comes from justice. Oh, happy, happy are the merciful. I dare say this is, this is the most God-like quality there is. Hesed is the, the Hebrew word. And it, it, it basically means the way we are loved by God. Unmerited, unearned, in some ways even unnecessary because it's just there. God just pours God's self out to all of us, to all of creation. And, and, and when we are acting in that power, and it is a power that's in us, and, and this is nothing we have to earn, there's nothing we have to work for. We've got it. We are merciful. But once we act upon that mercy, well, then mercy is ours. Mercy is ours. Uh, one of my favorite stories is about the, the, the fellow who's before the judge, and the judge says, I'm a just judge. I will give you justice. He says, I don't need justice. I'm guilty. I need mercy. We all need mercy. And as we give it, we receive it. Blessed are the pure of heart, the clean of heart, the single-heartedness in what's their predicate. The clean of heart, the single-hearted, see God. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. What, what in the world does that, that mean? Well, if we are hard of heart, we can't see anything. And one of the reasons that Jesus was so emphatic about judgment is that whatever you've judged, you've just become blind to. You can't see it. And if you, and once you've judged them, you, you say, yeah, 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 yeah you, you, I, got, I got your number, and it's fractions. I got your number. I, I know who you are. No, you don't. Matter of fact, you see nothing. All you see are the concepts and the categories that the hardness of your heart have created. And you never see the reality. And when our heart is, is open, our heart is pure, then we see. The eye is the window to the soul. And the secret is to learn how to see the divine in the eyes of the other especially to see the divine in the eyes of one that we may have been having difficulty with, one that we may even be out of communion with. Because the divine dwells in that one as much as the divine dwells in us. And, and what you're seeing is that God, you are seeing through God's eyes. And what you are seeing is God, the divine in the other. Oh, blessed when our hearts are pure and clean, for then we shall see clearly. And finally, blessed are the peacemakers. 
and they shall be called the daughters and the sons of God. Why? Because we live in a world that is filled with violence and hatred. And it is the peacemakers that, that are able to work for something that will last. Who have been the great peacemakers that we have experienced in our own lifetime? And they've always been nonviolent. And, and, and their means were nonviolent means. Gandhi changed all of India by his peacemaking. Martin Luther King began, and it still continues to this day, and it is not completed yet because the peacemaking still needs to be done, and all we need to do is turn on the press and we see it. Oh, but the revolution that he began continues, and it will, it will last. The day will come when we really come to the realization that war is, is obsolete. Uh, Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela danced with his jailers when he was set free. He held nothing against them. He was not filled with revenge or hate. All he asked for, and what a wonderful ask, and we still haven't figured that out yet in our own country, is truth and then reconciliation. And the violence that we have put upon, especially the indigenous people, the, those we have held in slavery, we still have not recognized or spoken to. And at that point, there will be no peace. If you want peace, Paul VI told us so clearly, work for the justice. And when there is justice, there will be peace. But it does put us kind of in a quagmire, and it puts me, and I wrestle with this a great deal, especially with the war that's going on in the Ukraine. And yet it was a war that they did not seek. It, it was a war of an unjust aggressor. And so I guess we do have a right to defend ourselves. And this is probably a, a defense that, unlike, not unlike the Second World War, is a defense that has to be undertaken. I still don't understand it. It still is beyond my comprehension, but it is a peace we are called to. And finally, how blessed are you when they persecute you and they slander you and they say all kinds of terrible things against you falsely because of me, because you're a preacher of the gospel, because you're not afraid to speak truth to power. You are to be happy. Although I must confess, there are an awful lot of times when I'm walking out of certain churches and I'm getting it from both barrels that I'm not necessarily happy. And yet, we're called to. As a matter of fact, if we are not getting it from both barrels from time to time, we need to ask ourselves, what are we saying? Are we giving pablum? Or are we giving the gospel? Because the gospel is going to unsettle the settled. The gospel is going to be prophetic. The gospel really is good news, and it is good news that is first preached to the poor because those are the ones who are going to understand it. That's our holy work. Jesus is continuing, and we're going to hear him all the way through the next three or four Sundays. We're going to, we're going to continue with this wonderful sermon that really is the instruction book for our lives. Oh, blessed, oh, happy are we who hear the good news of the Christ.